Welcome to the Bike Life Podcast by Warm Showers Foundation, where we will be sharing knowledge, experience, tools, and stories of touring cyclists and hosts from around the world. I'm Tavar Lee, the woman behind the scenes at Warm Showers Foundation, the leading platform for cyclists looking for hosts and to connect with a passionate international community. Find out more by visiting us at warmshowers.org. Now, let's start the show. You're listening to Bike Life, the podcast. We are warmshowers.org foundation, and we are currently doing our best to create connection amongst our touring cyclists and hosts during this wild time where we know disconnection is often very difficult and people are still craving the ability to tour and to host and to even just share where they're at on their journey. And today is going to be a really special opportunity for you to connect with someone who has done a lot in terms of his own personal development on his journey. And today's cyclist left Montreal in 2017 to reach the farthest place from home to fight depression. And now he is in Southern Chile and He's here to tell us a little bit about his journey. So thank you for joining us, Jerome. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Yes, I love I love hearing the Quebec accent and your I wish I could I wish I could recall more of my French so we could have a little conversation in French. Um, but I, I'm really excited to have you on the show. And I want all of our listeners to know that one of the most beautiful things about bike life is that we are talking to people all over the world. And doing so often means that we don't have perfect internet, we don't have perfect signal, although sometimes we have pretty good signal. But where Jerome is at now in Chile, we might have a little disruption in signal. So if you hear a little pause or a little fuzziness, just know we're doing our best to keep our connections solid, but we want you to know. So if you're wondering where some of the pauses are coming from, it's because we are making the most of technology between where I'm located in Colorado and where he's located in Chile. (laughs) I might have some brain freezes too. That might be the the cause. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that that could be. I, I know that I have you and I've already had a conversation and you are you're definitely a reflective conversationalist. You take time to think through your thoughts and I appreciate that about you. I probably on the other hand talk too much sometimes. So we will hopefully create a good balance. <laughs> we'll try. <laughs> All right, Jerome. So let's start with what took you you know, out of Montreal and headed on a journey to go the farthest from home. Um, well, like you said, I had depression problems. Um, I had depression problems for many, many years. Uh, I tried a lot of uh, conventional solutions, medication, uh, f- like have a healthy, healthy life, change what I was eating, but uh, that always uh, came back, those problems. And the bicycle trip was something I had, like was an idea I had uh, inside of me a long, long time, like maybe 10 years or 12 years I had been thinking about it before actually gathering the courage to take on it. And, you know, let's, let's maybe six months before I, I took off, I tried to like one last shot at the regular life, regular job. 
And it was a perfect job. I mean, I had like social advantage, insurance. It was 10 minutes walk from where I was living with my friends. And all the nice stuff. It was like um, in a college. I don't know what would be the um, English uh, term for that job, but like taking care of the audio video material and handing it over to the students. But I worked mm -hmm. there for like three days and I was so bored. I was literally sick. Um, because I knew it was not for me. Mm. I was sick of, I don't know, I was, I knew so much that that was not the type of life that I wanted to live. I was sick with it. <laughs> so that's sort mm. of why I decided to leave on a bicycle. And yeah. <laughs> and did you have a particular destination when you first left of where you wanted to go? Or did you just start riding? Um, I wanted to go to Ushuaia, which was, uh, according to a map I'd seen, I just saw it on the map and I had the tip of all the way down south of the Americas and I zoomed and I zoomed and I saw this place called Ushuaia and I saw there was a road leading there and I said, you know what, that probably is the farthest place from home that I can reach. And that's the only reason. I, I had no wow. idea that this was like the mecca of cyclists. I had no idea anything about bike touring. <laughs> I didn't know anything about that place. It was just the farthest place from home. Wow. And so along that journey, like what did, how long did it take you from Montreal, let's say, until you got to the border of the United States and uh, Mexico? You mean the border between the States and Mexico? or the, each one of the borders. Yes. Uh, it took me six months. Okay, well... <laughs> uh, at first I was running, I was yeah. riding pretty fast, and yeah. and you sometimes I'd have a good rhythm, sometimes I'd, I'd be a little slower and take time to visit stuff. And I think when I was in Kentucky, I heard about um, Hurricane Harvey back in two, two, 2017. And... Like right off the bat, I knew Houston was on my route because I had um, written down a little route all the way down to uh, Panama. And so it was like automatic for me. I, I, when I heard about the hurricane, I said, okay, when I get there, I'm going to try to find a way to help. So I stayed like four months in Texas to volunteer and help people that had their homes destroyed by mm. the hurricane. Yeah. And yeah. And so how did how did doing that type of work impact how you were managing your depression? Or at what point on your trip did you start to feel like this was the this was the better form of medicine than what you had been offered in the past? Um I don't know how soon my trip one one day in Mississippi, like going out of Mississippi and crossing to Louisiana, it was like it was Kind of the first few days I'd been depressed uh, on the road. Because otherwise I was like always happy and having fun. And these first like three or four days I really felt that, you know, like it's heavier. You, sometimes you're just tired and you know you're tired. But when, you know, you've been depressed a lot, you kind of feel that this it's the same sort of... Uh, in French we say mal de vivre, which is like... A, pain of living, or I don't know how you would translate that exactly. Mm. But you, you feel it, you know, and I knew it was the same thing. And I had to take a dirt road 
to because I like shortcuts, you know. <laughs> I like shortcuts because this is a long road to Ushuaia. And I said, okay, just the straightest, you know. And mm-hmm. at some point, I had to turn on the, the dirt road, and uh, a board said closed bridges. And the road was sort of closed. And I said, you know what, maybe, maybe I have to take a turn before the bridge or something. And also I figured, you know, like in your brain when you're unhappy, maybe it's some sort of connection that's not uh, working, like between the elements or in your brains. Or, and I said, hey, you know what, this is like a nice analogy, trying to cross a road with a broken bridge, like the connection in my brain might be broken and that's why I feel I feel bad <laughs> right now so I went on that dirt road and then I met a guy in this in his SUV and he told me that there were, were two bridges and they were uh, broken both of them were closed and I just decided to go on anyway and like give myself a metaphorical crossing you know it worked it kind of worked i love it i love it i think that you you describe so well what i think a lot of people face which is when we when we come up against the parts of us that we don't we don't feel are perfect or that we don't feel are operating in the best capacity possible you created a way to relate it to your journey. And that's, that's what I love about your story is that you have, you know, you created this journey itself as part of your own healing. And now you're living in Chile (laughs) (laughs) and you're able to work, right? We, we have to talk about the the fact that you've been able to do remote work so you can continue to tour because we are now three years into your departure from Montreal. Yeah. And I was, I was sort of lucky. Yeah. Because I, I mean, uh, by profession, I'm a narrator, a voiceover actor in French. Of course, you can maybe hear the accent, like you said. And right before starting the tour, I got a I got a pretty good gig, so that helped. That paid pretty much for the first year of traveling. And then I had a website and all that stuff for work. And out of nowhere, out of the blue, and when I was in Panama, uh, someone wrote to me to make. Uh, as the voice for an advertisement so it didn't pay a lot but it paid enough and I just say you know what after paying the studio I'm just gonna try to find a, a USB microphone and buy a cheap second-hand laptop and try to like earn money doing that on the road and it worked pretty good I was lucky because I, I started on a freelancer um, a website that a warm shower host told me about. <laughs> and she was working all the time on her laptop and on like a nice balcony in Panama with the birds and the nice view with the mountains. I was like, what? You're working right now? You're earning money for sitting on the balcony and watch like the nature like that? This sounds amazing. So I just tried to do it too and it worked. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing that. Um, that's that's pretty amazing that you've been able to merge all of this together. Now, let's take a moment to learn a little bit more about today's episode being brought to you by bikeflights.com, a bicycle shipping service for cyclists. You'll enjoy fast delivery, great prices, and excellent service with every shipment. 
Select your shipment's delivery speed to suit your schedule and tap into their group buying power to get great rates. Throughout the shipping process, their support team, made up of fellow cyclists, works directly with their carrier's exclusive global operational team so that your shipment will arrive on time. Join the more than 700,000 cyclists who have used bikeflights.com to ship their bikes, wheels, and gear with confidence since 2009 and see how easy it is to book, manage, and track your shipments. Visit bikeflights.com forward slash warm showers today to find out more information and to book your shipment. Now back to the show. I know that you have gone through some crazy adventures to get from where you're at to from where you were to where you're at. Tell us a little bit about like traveling through Mexico and some of the stories of experiencing what it was like in Mexico. Well, it was uh, I had like maybe one scary five minutes during the three or four months it took me to cross the country but it was the scariest five minutes of my life (laughs) i was uh like uh, before entering mexico i was like i was always cheerful on on the way you know always positive and i didn't want to believe like what's on the news and all the bad stuff but a lot of people were telling me oh it's bad there or they were looking at me mexico and that be careful like they were talking to a dead man like I was dead already and they would like uh, tell me about tourists being hanged down the bridge and stuff like that and I didn't want to give into into that because I mean you cannot think that a whole country on every square feet there's some bad person waiting for you with a with a knife and I still believe that's not the case but I got my unlucky five minutes on the dirt road going out it always happened on dirt roads <laughs> so I was like pedaling on a thingy there was every sort of dirt that you can imagine like old recycled asphalt yeah pebbles stones sand like it was switching every three or four feet like a new sort of road all the worst surfaces you can hope for they were all there together and I had like 30 kilometers on that road maybe 30 35. And I was about to uh, get out of it at the end of the day. So I took a turn and then I'm on my bicycle, I'm pedaling and I see two trucks parked in front of each other, like on both sides of the dirt road. And so instantly I had a bad feeling about it. I have no idea why, it's just two trucks and, and I had seen people on that road before. There was like a little school on the road that they had been like, farmers on their on their tractors but I instantly had a bad feeling about it and I don't know why and then the truck saw me and they started coming my way and like this is week one in in, in Mexico I had like zero Spanish I spoke 10 words maybe <laughs> I was like with my little dictionary trying to learn a new word every 30 minutes every day but like it wouldn't do it it wouldn't be very good I would recall like two or three words per day so my Spanish was real bad so the first driver starts to ask me a question and he's wearing like a some sort of military camouflage uniform and he smells like weed and the guys in there and he's asking me like 
uh, where I'm going, where I'm from, if I'm lost. And so he goes on. He let me go and he goes on. He goes his way. Second car stops, asks me the same questions. And some other vehicles start to arrive because it was sort of, the, sort of the top of a hill. And then like three or four vehicles like that. And then when I thought I was good and I was done, there's like a last pickup truck uh, goes over the hill and he stops and he opens the window and he starts to ask me all the same questions. And by side, there's a guy with a beanie. The, the driver's got some tattoos. I don't know what exactly. And I can see another guy sleeping in the back of the truck. So... I repeat all the like the, the little Spanish I can use to try to explain what I'm doing and I show my telephone and I have like a map and no I'm not lost. I don't want them like to to you know try to help me or whatever. I just want to go my way and get out of this dirt road. So I say, follow me, I'm gonna lead you to the to the other route. And I don't want to do it, but they take the same turn that I was about to take so yeah, I just follow them and hope everything's gonna be fine so we go for like three or four kilometers which mm -hmm. might be like 1.5 or two miles we pass like a little field with horses some people working uh, farms and stuff like that and then that it in the bottom of like a little downhill the pickup truck stops and then the guy the Ford guy I didn't seen before gets out of the car with an M16 in his hands and I thought whoa this is it mm. I'm dying right here and he said he told me to stop <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember what were the words in English uh, in Spanish but he, he shows me like he makes a sign and tells me to stop and he doesn't point at me but like it's the first time in my life I see a gun in a situation that is not like, uh, you know, uh, a policeman with a gun in his holster or something like that. I mean, you know, in a, a worrisome situation. So my brain is like pure adrenaline. And they start to ask me questions and I can realize they're kind of, uh, pardon my French, I don't know <laughs> what synonym to use, but there's sort of fucking with me and they're asking like uh, they're making jokes but at the same time you have a gun and you could kill me and decide to kill me any moment yeah it's like what are you carrying in your bags are you uh, are you police or do you have a bomb in there so it was pure adrenaline and in the in the end they had me smoke like the butt of a reefer I don't know if it was a test like to see if I was some sort of agent or something Interesting. I, and I tried to tell them I stopped smoking like years ago, but with the little Spanish that I know, I was not able. So I just, yeah, I smoked the thing. And finally, I was glad because maybe it was a test. And after that, he asked me if I was a federalis. And in the end, you know what? They just led me to the other route like they said they would do. <laughs> and let you go. And, and off you went. Yeah. Wow. So do you think that that was like the, the cartel? No, he, he told me, he told me like plain and straight, I'm from the cartel. I'm not going to say which one, because I don't know how good they are with yeah, internet. Yeah, Sorry. we don't need to do that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow, interesting. It, it, that must have been like a... a... 
Sorry, go on. Yeah, that must have been a really like scary couple of moments. Yeah, it was like it was. I didn't even have like the 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 time to pee in my pants because it happened so fast and it was so pure adrenaline that yeah. it was just like whoa, survival. Yeah. Like I just need to say bullshit yeah. and try to survive out of this. Yeah. Wow. So was the rest of your trip through Mexico relatively calm compared to that? Uh, it was pure, pure calmness. Yeah. Well, mountains was were hard and there was there were a hardship. And I didn't have any other problems of that of that type. And did you feel like you met enough of the community and the people to sort of um overshadow that particular experience because I, I believe that you're right that the majority of people are good there are some out there that are, are not but I do believe the majority of people are good and when you're interacting in communities and with families where you start to realize that we're all very similar in what we love and what we care about and the values that we have even if we live differently like at the core of us you know how we feel is is very similar so I believe that you're right so I'm wondering if your experience with the communities um, along your journey overshadowed that one particular small incident. <laughs> uh, I would say they overshadow it like 10 millions to one. That's like, I yeah. barely haven't met any bad people. Even these guys from a cartel, I cannot say. I mean, I'm I'm really They were just being cartel. In, they were just doing their uh, thing. Exactly. I don't know their history. I don't know why they're, they're in the cartel. I don't know if they had another chance in life to do something else. I mean, as as bad as it is, as violent as it can look on the news, I'm not gonna judge these guys for what they were five minutes. I mean, I don't want to give them an excuse, right. but at the same time, they didn't like just kill me for no reason. Right. So after you passed through Mexico and you continued on your journey to through South America, Central and South America, how was how was that? And what why did you stop? And how did you stop in Chile? Um, well, that's a <laughs> that's a long journey to resume. There were <laughs> I know it's a lot. I know there were hard hard passes. Um, my friend, uh, whom I told you about uh, from Warm Showers that I met in Panama, told me when I was there that it was like uh, Central America's like a a vortex for failure for bike tourists. Like when people give up, it's a lot of time it's in Central America. I don't know if it's the heat, the humidity, the but it's true that that part was really hard. And, but otherwise, yeah, this is always just like the road. There's, there are ups and downs and, and there's always a, like, I, I had a tattoo made in, in uh, Cusco. I'm going to show you that because it's like a nice, I can, I don't know if you can see it. It's a little mountain. I can sort of see it. it yeah. And there's an S on the climb. Or smile or sonrisa in Spanish because mm. when you climb, it's hard, but you have to remember your smile. Then the downhill, there's an F yeah. for uh, force or fuerza in Spanish, which means strength. Because when you go downhill, it's easy, 
and depression also it's easy and like to go down and just let go and get in whatever like get lazy drink beer and stuff like that like downhill um, and those hard parts like when you just say that nothing's worth it or easy but you know you must not forget your strength in these moments and uh, the flat part of the mountains got a O for onda or onde in French which means wave because you must not forget that life is a wave and there's even if it's look if it looks flat flat there there it's still a wave and it's just that you cannot see it or feel it at this particular moment and inside there's a like a reverse mountain that means like if If you're not in the right state of mind, it's just kind of like you can turn a, a climb into a, a pitless, uh, uh, like an endless pit. And you can turn like a downhill, you're not gonna enjoy it. You're not gonna enjoy like the, the easy moments because you're only gonna be thinking about the next climb. So if I can resume like what I learned on the way to Chile, uh, that would be that. And the reason I'm stuck here is because uh, of the pandemic. Like a lot of people, it stopped me too. And the borders are closed, so I cannot cross to Argentina. Mm. Well, first of all, thank you for sharing that. Um, I know that those of you that are listening, you can't actually see the tattoo, but you described it so beautiful. Um, I appreciate that, Jerome. That has some really good perspective in there. And I'm really grateful that you're willing to come on and, and talk about Um, you know, your your story, your journey, where you're at. And I hope that you can continue yourself onward to wherever the wind may take you next once all the borders open again. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Well, thank you, Jerome. Uh, how how over and soon. Yes. And how can people find you if they want to continue the conversation with you or follow along with your journey? What's the best place for people to reach you? Uh, I guess on Facebook they can uh, reach me at slash Jerome Pilette Voix Off I'll put a link in the show notes <laughs> <laughs> that's French I know it's always interesting with, with spelling so we'll put a link in the show notes so Facebook is a good place for people to reach you and they can find all the other details um, I believe you have a blog right people can follow you on your blog they can find that on your Facebook page Uh, stop blogging in Ecuador because I was like just bored of it but okay. I, you can still find stuff about my trip on my Facebook page yeah. do you go live on Facebook and share some of the beautiful locations you're at ever sorry what was that do you do lives or post videos on Facebook where people can see where you're at I'm posting like projects I've been working on like book projects and stuff like that But yeah, sometimes I think cool. I'm going to go back to it and post about the, the trip and do some lives sometimes. Yeah. Well, that would be wonderful because I know that people are going to connect to your story and your journey. So thank you again for joining us, Jerome. Thanks a lot for having me. 
All right. Thank you again for listening to another episode of Bike Life. And wherever you're listening or wherever you're from, please leave us a rating and a review because it helps us get in front of more people who we know might love to learn about bike touring and being a host at Warm Showers. And don't forget, if you have not yet checked out our new app, visit the app store on your phone and look for Warm Showers app. Thank you. And we will be back. Thank you for joining us, and we hope you enjoyed the show as much as we enjoyed making it. Wherever you are listening, please leave us a rating and a review as it helps us reach more cyclists and hosts around the world. Visit us at warmshowers.org to become a part of our community or on Instagram at warmshowers underscore org. If you would like to be a guest on the show or submit a question, please make sure to email us at podcast at warmshowers.org.